Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalms chapter 1. I want, to, I want to read this timely psalm to us, and I'm only going to read the first three verses of it, and I hope you can take the rest home and, and read it for yourself. But Psalm chapter 1, and I'm going to read from the New Living Translation today. And it says this, it says, Oh, the joys of those. Most translation says, blessed are those. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. Verse 2, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Can you say amen? I want to talk to you today about what many church fathers call holy leisure. I want to talk to you about developing holy leisure in your life. I think we can all agree that right now the chaos is real. Right? We have wars. We have rumors of wars, right? We have a great divide in our nation politically. We have struggles financially right now. The gas prices are going through the roof. Thank God we don't live in California, right? There's so much going on in our world right now that more than ever, we need to be anchored in the word of God. You know, we have so many voices speaking. We have so many opinions. We have so many experts with no experiences. We have so many opinions but no facts. Right? And we have more critics than we have doers. So more than ever, we need to be anchored here. In the middle of all the chaos, I don't know about you, I thank God that we have the Word of God. I thank God that we have something to anchor our lives on. And my friends, I want to I propose to you today that I believe the greatest need of our day, you ready for this, is the need for discernment. The greatest need of our day is for us to be able to distinguish and discern between all of the muck, all the mud, all the noise, all the chaos, all the fog that's going on. And there's no better way to do that than to be anchored in what is eternal, which is the word of God. See, Jesus says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will always remain. And that's why I love this, the psalm that says, blessed is the man who stays rooted in the word of God. Right? The sermon is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, it's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that I feel like we need to be asking more of it. Right? We, there's so many things that we ask God for, but I think in this day and age, more than ever, we need to be asking, Holy Spirit, give me discernment. Give me wisdom. Help me distinguish. Help me discern between all the voices, including sometimes the voice in my own head. Discernment, my friends, is being able to live in the intangibles. In other words, discernment is being willing to perceive. Discernment is being willing to sift. Right? 
Discernment is getting, is getting guidance when there is so much chaos. And my favorite definition of discernment comes from one of the greatest preachers of all time, Spurgeon says, discernment is the ability to know what is right from almost right. Right, because we know a lot of times we settle for what's almost. In other words, that's not too bad. So then what is then our focus? It's not bad enough or do we want to get everything that God has for us? We got to sift, my friends, through all the fog, the mud, the confusing. And what I love about Psalm 1 is it tells you that in order to attain this, this joy of the Lord, which is, that's why I picked New Living, because he says, all oh, the joys. In other words, for the word blessed here is, is someone who has contentment, someone who feels fulfilled, someone who feels secure. He says, oh, the joy of those who can go through the process of discernment. Because I don't know if you're paying attention, he starts by telling you a blessed person, a content person, a fulfilled person is someone who has gone through the process of elimination. I, I, I love to, to tell our people back home that less is more. And, and if you notice here, he tells you three things that a blessed person does not do. Because this blessed person has discerned through certain voices that he knows, like, in order for me to be blessed, in order for me to be joyful, in order for me to be fulfilled, there are certain things that are just are not going to be part of my life. In other words, there are certain voices that don't get to have a say in my life. And he starts by telling you here that the blessed person does not follow the advice of the wicked. And I picked New Living because of the word follow. Because I don't know about you, but right now, everybody and their mama has followers. Everyone with a Facebook account or Instagram account or TikTok account has followers. My question has always been, if I'm following you, where are you taking me? See, that's the problem with having followers. We have a lot of followers, but we don't have enough leaders. And Jesus actually told us that we have to be careful because some people is like blind leading the blind. That's why the blessed person is very selective in who they follow. Because the blessed person knows that behind every voice, there's a worldview. Behind every post, there's a motive. Behind every news outlet, there is a perspective. And the blessed person has to discern through all of these voices. That's why he starts by saying, hey, if you're a blessed person, hashtag do not follow everybody. <laughs> There's a process of elimination that would take place. And I would, I would tell you this because I've been telling this to our people. Listen, a lot of you guys would cut through so much noise if you just get rid of your social media page, period. Like so many of you guys, a lot of your issues is not anything other than the fact that you're following all the wrong voices. So you might as well start there, right? Because every social media account has a motive, intention, worldview, perspective attached to it. And not all of it is coming from a godly source. And I would tell you, you even have to discern through those who use scriptures. Because the enemy used scripture on Jesus. But Jesus didn't follow. <laughs> Listen, every advice has motive. The blessed person says, my life is too precious to be open to any type of voice. 
you got to discern through the voices. Because the enemy never comes and says, hey, I'm here to ruin your life. He usually comes with a great proposition. <laughs> this is why discernment is the name of the game. He goes on to tell you that in this process of elimination, the blessed person does not stand around with sinners. Right? And the pushback that you get automatically when he says, don't stand around with sinners, the, the pushback is, aren't we all sinners? No, no, my friends, that's the thing. We need to go back and reread what the word says. He says, you're no longer a sinner, you are a saint. You have a new identity in Jesus. Yes, you start as a sinner, but you don't stay there. You get a new name. Your name is a saint, set apart, distinct. There's a major difference between being a sinner and living in sin. A saint chooses not to live in sin any longer. Why? Because the saint has been set free from sin. A saint has a choice now to live above the level of sin and mediocrity. And so if you keep talking about sin, then you don't understand that your identity is in Christ. And you are no longer a sinner, but you are a sinner saved by the grace of God, which means you have a place now in his, in his family and your last name is Saint. Means you're set apart, you're distinct. You, you talk different, you live different, you walk different, and that's why you don't stand around with sinners because standing around with sinners is missing the mark, and missing the mark is sinning. A blessed person has a bullseye they want to hit, and he who aims at nothing hits it every time. In other words, if you don't want the will of God, just keep doing what you're doing. Sin comes to us naturally. That's why the blessed person has to discern. But right? you don't have to try hard to be yourself. And it's one of the worst advice I've ever heard in the world. Do you, boo-boo. Say, <laughs> so that's the problem. I keep doing me. <laughs> do not stand around with sinners. In other words, do not stand around with people who don't have a focus. Some of the greatest experts of our day sit in their mama's basement in underwear telling you what's everything that's wrong with the world. You know what's, you know, like, I asked someone the other day, you know where we can find our best politicians? Go on social media, on your comment session, you will find them. They, they've, re, they, they've solved the pandemic, they've solved the Ukrainian war. You know what's wrong with the church? I don't know, you don't even go. How about you stop by getting a job? Okay, I'm going to leave that alone. Some of y'all know who I'm talking about, so I'm just going <laughs> to. The blessed person, watch this, just, it doesn't join with mockers. I don't know if you're paying attention, but there's like this new trend. We have trends, right? Right now, it's cool to be a mocker. It's cool to be a cynic. Man, we're celebrating skeptics. Like, it's another way, like, like, like now there's a badge of honor for those who are skeptics. It's a badge of honor for cynics. Right? The Bible says clearly here, but we don't join with mockers. Yes, we may live in an age of skepticism. We may live in an age of cynicism, but we can discern through it and say, that's just you being jaded. That's just you being a critic. That's just you labeling the thing that I'm just questioning. But the reality is behind every questioning there's motives. And we have to discern through all of it. Another, you know, people that just say, I'm just telling you the truth. Yeah, well, which angle of the truth are you talking about? Other people, I love the people that start with, can I be honest with you? It's like, no, please lie to me. <laughs> By the way, Pastor Steve, man, which, shout out to Pastor Stephen, boys, the greatest pastor of all time. 
Pastor used to say, when someone says, can I be honest with you? He says, well, get ready because you're about to get thrown up on. <laughs> right, friends, you don't sit with mockers. I know right now there is this trend to bash the church. And, 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 and to some degree, you would say rightly so. Because we've done some stuff, Capital C Church, that in a sense, I would say, man, you got a point. But here's the thing. I don't know about you, but I never want to be the guy who is talking bad about someone's wife. Because I don't know about you. My wife is here, by the way. And we're happily married. And we've been married for 16 years. And we got five championships. We got five kids. That's why I call my championships. I'm like LeBron, not one, not two, not, you know, all right. But here's the thing, right? If I'm, if I'm fighting with my wife and you butt in, we're going to forget about our fight and we're going to get on you. Then I'll come back and keep fighting with her. Right? Here's the thing with the church. Here's, here's the thing that people don't understand. Listen, Jesus said, I died for my bride. I don't want to be the guy who talked bad about Jesus' wife. Because Jesus might turn on you. Right? So the, the, the wife could be wrong, but man, I'm not going to be that guy on the wrong side of history. Do not join in with mockers because God will keep you accountable. You know, Paul said to the church in Acts, he said, take care of the flock that Jesus died for. Usually we say Jesus died for me. Paul said, no, Jesus died for the church. And you is the church. So when we talk about the church, we're talking about Jesus' wife, and I don't want to be the guy who talked about the Savior, his wife. Blessed is the one who does not join in with mockers. He's coming back for his bride. And he says, who is not for me? You know the rest. My friends, there's a process of elimination that takes place when you want to live a blessed life. But I love that he doesn't just stay there, but he says, listen, but I love but in the Bible because there's a transition. He says, but the blessed person delights. The word delight is to take pleasure. He says, the, 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 the blessed man delights in the word of God. You got to ask yourself once in a while, like, do I take pleasure in the things of God? Or do I just endure the things of God? Do I actually... Enjoy it. Because I've been telling this to people, like, are you enjoying this? Are you enduring this? Now, don't get me wrong. There are times of sacrifice and there are times where, where we have to kind of buckle down and, and be gritty. But, man, for most part, the joy of the Lord should be our strength. The joy of the Lord should be the reason why I keep waking up in the morning and keep showing up and keep serving and keep giving and keep worshiping. Like, the joy of the Lord should be my strength. He says, listen, don't you get it? Discernment actually comes through the word. How are you going to discern right from wrong if you're not enjoying the word of God that helps you discern, sift through all of the noise? When you delight in something, guess what? No one has to make you do it. There are certain things, if I, was, if I was to meet you today at the church and I bring up something that you love, man, you're going to run your mouth. 
Some of y'all is the Patriots, man. You just love the Patriots. Maybe not anymore. I don't know. But, <laughs> but you would go on and on about the Patriots. And because why? It's something that you delight in. You take pleasure in. And that's okay. And you should enjoy the Patriots. Hopefully we can enjoy the Patriots even more. I hope we can get back to our glory days. Like some of y'all, if I, if I bring up the goat and then you're going to get mad. Like the man retired for 40 days. You know, we're, we're, we're spiritual people. 40 has a lot of meaning. I don't know if he's been reading scriptures. Did he go in the wilderness and come back and be like, I'm not done yet. Like I got. Some of y'all are like, what is he talking about? Read your Bibles. We should be able to get Bible jokes because we're in the word. <laughs> but when you delight in something, it's because you hunger for it. Don't you get it? Jesus said the word is, 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 is like a meal. Like when you hunger for something, I don't know about you, but you find a way to get it. I remember one time we were here in this church, and we, 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 we I say we were pregnant. My wife's like, you ain't pregnant. Like, I was pregnant. She was pregnant, and we were sitting all the way in the back there. I still remember we were in a concert, and she's pregnant. She's, she's like, turn to me. She goes, I want hot dog. My like, hot dog right now. It's like 9 o'clock at night. We leave the concert. Now I'm trying to be a good husband, trying to find hot dog. Like drove to so many restaurants in the area. Everything is closed. Went to three or four restaurants, couldn't find anything. Ended up getting to this grimy um, gas station and find a gas station hot dog. <laughs> I was like, man, you got cravings. Here I am. I'm here to provide. <laughs> but in other words, when you hunger for something, you go after it. That's why Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Yeah, you got to hunger for it. You got to pursue it. You got to start. They got to go after the starvation that's in us. I believe this with all my heart. When you're paying attention, your soul is saying, I'm craving the word. I'm craving the truth. I'm craving righteousness. I'm craving love. I'm craving the things of God. I love the way that, that Hebrews puts the word of God. In Hebrews 4.12, it says this. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing through the vision of the soul and spirit of joints and marrow. And, and, and what's that word there? And discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know you're reading the word when the word starts reading you. You know the thing is alive and active when I am preaching, I never met you, and you're like, you're talking right to me. That's how powerful, that's how personal, that's how intimate the Word of God is. And we need to be delighting in it if we want to discern through all the fog of life right now. It discerns the intentions of the heart. I don't know about you, sometimes I'm reading the Word, the Word convicts me about things that no one knows about. In other words... Psalmist says, where can I go to hide from your presence? Right? Like when I'm open the word, man, my heart is open. That's why one of the first things that goes when you're backsliding is the word. One of the first things you stop touching is the word because the word will convict. But think about this. You, you getting a word from a father never convicts you to condemn you. convicts you because he wants to heal you and restore you. So allow the conviction to happen. I don't know about you. I don't want to live without conviction. I don't want to become one of those who become numb to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And you become numb to the conviction of the Holy Spirit when your mind becomes seared or you can no longer apprehend the word. 
that's coming like a double-edged sword. Like the word is at work right now as we speak. Cutting through stuff to get us to be healed and restored. He says, look, the law of the Lord is another word for the word of God. Starving. Wanted more. One of the things that the word of God will do and bring the sermon to your life, and this is a tough one. He says, sometimes the word will come to help you discern familiar voices who are not in tune with the Holy Spirit. You know what's crazy? A lot of times we don't get in trouble because we're following a foreign voice, but we get in trouble because we've, we've accustomed to a familiar voice who is not in tune with the Holy Spirit. One of the instances where where the sermon has to be in the intangibles is, is a conversation Jesus had with one of his closer disciples, Peter. And you can look it up when you go home. In Matthew 16, it, it's actually an amazing story because here's the moment Jesus is asking his disciples, hey, who do people say that I am? In other words, what's, what's the word out there? And they said, man, they think you're a teacher, you're a prophet. Some think you're the incarnation of Elijah, you're Jeremiah. And then he says, wait, what about you, though? You've been with me. It's one thing to get a near opinion. It's another thing to get a personal opinion. He says, what do you say I am? And for the first time, Peter, who is the loudmouth, I believe Peter's from New Bedford. He's <laughs> in New Bedford, but we're loudmouth. We're like quick to speak, slow to listen. But Peter was on point this time. He says, you are, you are the son of the living God. And what does Jesus say? He says, he says blessed are you, Peter. Blessed, right, are you, Peter, because you didn't get this from their opinion. You got this from the Spirit. But what's fascinating about that story is that if you keep reading, Jesus now says, hey, let me give you an understanding of what's coming. And let me tell you, now that you understand I'm the Son of the living God, understand that there's a plan here, there's a purpose here, that I'm going to be crucified. And Peter, again, Peter has diarrhea of the mouth. Like he was on, but then he's like, man, I'm on a roll here. <laughs> and he opens his mouth again, and he says, oh, no way, we can't let that happen. What does Jesus say to his, one of his closest disciples, his closest students? I would say a friend. Watch this. Here's Jesus' response to Peter. He says, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. How would you like to be called Satan by one of your friends? You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. The sermon will help you sift through even familiar voices who are not in tune with the Holy Spirit, but they only see in things from a natural standpoint. That's the hardest part about the sermon. The hardest part about the sermon sometimes, you got to walk away from familiar voices who are not in tune with what the Spirit of God is trying to do. And I hate to say this to you, but the devil comes to church too. One of my favorite books, Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis, wrote about how the enemy works within the church. And he says, man, I don't mind, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if you're, the guy that you're working on is, it went to church. When, when he gets to church, just don't let him focus on what really matters. Like, distract him. If you can't get him from going to church, keep him away from the things of God. Because there's a difference between going to church and being the church. And sometimes it's familiar voices that's actually keeping us from the will of God. Can you say amen? So we need discernment, my friends. We need to be able to, to, to lock in with the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes you got to say, not today. 
I don't know about you, but I talk to myself a lot. Because, because, because my spirit needs to tell the flesh, not today. I don't know about you, but once in a while, you need to be in your car and having a conversation with yourself through the Holy Spirit. I don't care if you look crazy, but man, I'd rather look crazy than to get in tune with the wrong stuff. Like some of y'all need to be like, not today. Not today, Sally. I don't want to call you Satan. <laughs> By the way, what is Jesus doing here? He's, he's seeing through Peter. He's seeing the motive and the intentions. C.S. Lewis said, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And he says it's a slippery, gradually slope there. And it usually comes through slippery, gradually feeding you lies that look like truth. That's why we need discernment more than ever in this time. See, you gain discernment. Please, please write this down. You gain discernment through meditation. He says you got you to delight in the word. You got to meditate on it. You got to spend time with it. You got to let it take root in you. What is meditation? It's simply this. Meditation is to fill your mind with the word to the point that it leads you to obedience. The major difference between Christian meditation and Eastern meditation is that Eastern meditation tells you to empty your mind, which is a very dangerous concept. Oh, that's another trend, right? We like, we like yoga and, and all this stuff. and Nothing wrong with yoga and all that, but when your instructor starts telling you to empty your mind, you need to start saying, Holy Spirit, come <laughs> and fill my mind because I don't want to open my mind to the wrong junk and to the wrong perspective. An empty mind is the devil's place. That's why he says, meditate on the word. In other words, fill your mind. See, your mind, I've always tell people this, listen, your mind is not good or bad. It's just what you feed it. Your mind is so powerful that it stores so much. But it is the thing with your mind. Your mind will live on autopilot if you don't give him direction. Your mind will just get up tomorrow and go, do I have any directives? If not, I'm going to go on autopilot and do what we did yesterday. And when you find yourself in situations that you've been before, your mind's like, are we going to do what we did last time? See, in other words, your mind is waiting for commands. Right? Your mind is waiting for you to give it focus. That's why he says he meditates on the word day and night. Why? Because if you don't give your mind something to focus on, he who aims at nothing hits it every time. So I need to fill my mind with the word, but I'm not filling my mind with the word just for the sake of enlightenment. I'm filling my mind with the word for the sake of obedience. Because there's a lot of people who know a lot, but they, don't do, they do very little with what they know. I would say that's the struggle with us in church, man. We know a lot, but we do so little with what we know. So I, I, I need to be in the word day and night. I love what, what God told Joshua when Joshua took over. For Moses, this was the command. He said, look, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. He says, don't let this word be apart from you. It's interesting, he says day and night. I was talking to someone who, who studies neuroscientists, science, and they said, what's interesting is, they said the best portal of reception in your life is in the morning or at nighttime. 
They're like, for some reason, your brain is more susceptible, more open to learning and to growing right up in the morning or right when you go to bed. And I'm like, I love the Bible because here's, years ago, God already said, hey, you want to get it right? Get up early in the morning, get my word, and then go to bed with my word and watch me continue to bless you and succeed your life. What's the first thing you do in the morning? My wife will tell you this. I'm a little bit like ADD about this. Be like, don't talk to me <laughs> until I get like in my zone. I, I need like that 10, 15 minutes of like, because my mind's crazy. I, I, I need to center myself before I start making decisions and choices for the day. Like I need it. No matter how groggy I am in the morning, I need that moment. I'm not saved when I wake up. I need to be centered before I do anything else. Am I the only one in this house? <laughs> Some of y'all wake up singing, worshiping. You're like, that ain't me, pastor. I wake up with Jesus. <laughs> well, the rest of us need the word. Day and night. I want to say it again. Critical moments of reception happens in those windows. More than ever, there's so many voices. The first scripture, one of the first scriptures I've ever memorized is Romans 12. Paul says, I, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. May you be holy and pleasing to God. That's your reasonable act of worship, not singing your life. But he goes on to say, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? Renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's perfect, pleasing, and goodwill for your life. I love another version of this says, do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. That's what's happening right now. We're being squeezed without even knowing. See, here's the thing that, 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 that frustrates me a little bit that people don't understand. The world preaches more than we do. The world is constantly preaching their way. Today, on your way home, pay attention. Look at billboards. The world is telling you something. You can't go anywhere without a billboard popping up. You can't go on your phone without a notification popping up. You go on Google, they know you. We talk about stuff today. You're like, oh, well, look, coincidence. The world is preaching more than we are. And if we don't pay attention, we're being squeezed. How do you squeeze a toothpaste? That's the perspective that the scriptures say, like, hey, you're getting squeezed. You're living in an imprint. Everything you touch, everything you talk about, everything you watch, there's an imprint happening. That's why a blessed person is selective. Because they don't want to conform. But they want to be transformed. How do you be transformed? You have to give your minds more directives to focus on. If not, you aims at nothing. Hits it every time. So let me get practical with you. How do you actually meditate? Again, the church fathers call this holy leisure. I love that. Right? That, that, that it's, in other words, you're saying like this should be part of your life. This shouldn't have to be like a weird mantra thing that you do once in a while. You know, when you go into the mountains and, and, and you have your yoga mat and all that stuff. Again, I'm nothing against yoga. I just want to make sure that your mind, because some people are like, why does he keep coming back to the yoga thing? I don't know. Maybe I'm convicting you. Like, fill your mind with the word. But how do you actually do this? You do this by following the directives that comes from the Lord. The Lord said it to us. In John 15, he told you this. Watch this. He says, I'm the vine. 
You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he that it there must fruit for apart from me, you can't do nothing. What is abiding? It's remaining. What is remaining is meditating. It's, it's, it's having those moments where I'm abiding with Jesus. And the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit, I don't have to sit in a room for two hours to abide. I just have to give my mind directives to abide. One of my favorite places to abide is in my car. Actually, but I'll be honest with you, I miss my commute here. Because, man, I got 45 minutes to an hour just to myself to just abide. Like, my car is the most holiest place. One day, when I get rid of that car, someone will get saved. The other day, and I'm not kidding you, someone, I mean New Bedford, someone, someone broke into my car. And I stopped, my wife's like, why don't you lock your doors? I'm like, because I know they're going to get saved. <laughs> they got into my car, they opened my glove compartment, they left all my books there. They just grabbed a bunch of ch- change. I was like, conviction, you saw the word in there. And you're like, I need to go, but I'll take some change, Lord. That, pro- that guy is probably repenting somewhere right now. I'm telling you, take advantage of the pockets of moment that you have and abide. Because it's either that or you're listening to more junk. It's amazing how you can probably get through a powerful audio book by just abiding every day in your car. Or you can keep listening to the same old about how we're still angry about the Pats not coming, you know, not getting a wide receiver, not getting a tight end. And we're mad that, that Brady left. Brady moved on with our lives and we're still over here abiding in the past. I see a lot of convictions in the room right now. <laughs> prayer and meditation, they're going hand in hand. See, when Paul says pray without ceasing, Paul wasn't saying lock yourself up in a closet. Paul was saying learn to always be in an attitude of prayer. I believe that's what we need more than ever is to always be an attitude of prayer because, because, again, you don't know what voices you're going to encounter today. And if you are always in the attitude of prayer, then you are always in the mode of discernment. See, Jesus didn't have to go, hey, Peter, let me go pray about what you just said. <laughs> He's already in the flow of the Spirit. My friends, we have to understand this. Like, it's beautiful that we get to gather with God's people. But, man, if you continue abiding all week long, when you come back next week, it's a continuation. In other words, it doesn't have to feel like this roller coaster ride where it's like, Sunday was amazing. Monday, I'm an atheist. Tuesday, I'm not sure where I am. Wednesday, please help me. I can't wait for Sunday. No, it's like, man, when you are abiding, then, then Monday is a continuation of Sunday and Tuesday. Hey, you know what happens to the world by Thursday? It's thirsty Thursday. Yes, I'm thirsty for the living word. Like, I need to be in the word. And you know, Friday comes. It's not Freaky Friday. It's time for me to abide once again. Saturday comes, man, I'm resting in the Lord. Sunday comes, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Just... A continuation of what God is doing. I love that he, the, the analogy here is like that blessed man is like a tree. Planted by the streams of living water. What does the tree need? Three things. The sun. The tree needs the sun every single day. The tree needs water and minerals to keep growing and the roots grow deep. Think about that in the spirit, right? Three things. The sun, the S-O-N, abiding daily in him. What is the water? The word. 
Right? What is the minerals? The Holy Spirit. Right? You have all the components needed to continue to grow your roots deeper. My prayer for you is that you are so deeply rooted. Come hell or high water, nothing can move you from the will and the purpose of God. The thing with, with roots, though, they don't grow overnight. They grow over time. See, we live in a day and age where people quit too quickly. You come to church one week, you're like, oh, man, I pray nothing happens. Like, man, you better keep praying. Pray without ceasing. <laughs> right? Stay rooted. Stay grounded. Man, we have too many flaky people. Too many people here today gone tomorrow. Right? We need people who have roots. Right? Like, when you have roots, man, you gotta, it's going to take a lot to get you to move. I pray that's us in the spirit. I pray, man, we are deeply rooted in the word, in his house, in truth, that nothing will move us from the will and the purpose that God has for our lives. Can you say amen? Oh, we just, we just finished a series on Galatians. And Paul talks about the fruits of the spirit, right? Because he says here in Psalm 1, he says you will be a fruit, Right? And a lot of times, unfortunately, we focus too much on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and not the fruits of the Holy Spirit. What's the difference? You can, you can have a gift and project it, but if you don't have the fruits of character to keep you, your gifts may take you places your character cannot keep you. So I would rather, and I tell this to a lot of young people, I'd rather you focus more on your character, the fruits, than you focus on your gifting. Because if you have the character, you will have the gift. But without the character, the gift means nothing. And we see this all the time. We're seeing this in the body. We're seeing this in athletes. We have athletes who are gifted, but have no character. So watch this. this see this differently. The fruits is character. Okay? Like the, the character of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such thing. There is no law. If you want to hear a full message on this, shameful plug, go on our podcast and check it out. Because... I really think it's so critical, so important that we learn to abide to produce character, not just gifting. Too many people are going about gifting, but with no character to sustain the gift. So practically speaking, let me wrap this up. And I don't know, is the worship team coming back? Uh, you guys can come play that sweet music. Um, as <laughs> behind the scenes of church, you know. Um, but I like to get practical. Because you're like, some of us... This is new to us. So I want to get very practical with you. How do I meditate on the day-to-day? I'll give you some practical steps here. I do this every day. That's how I start my day. I don't know if you have this, but I have the, the Bible app. And on the Bible app, there's this verse of the day, each day. right? If I pull it up today, it tells me what the verse of the day is today. right? And... All I do in the morning is start my day with the verse of the day. Because right away in the morning, I told you, I need the word. So the first thing I do, I wake up and I grab my phone. Because right away, I know, hey, I need to give directives to this mind. So I start there. Today's verse is, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So now I have a directive that I'm going to spend some time on today. I have the word. And what I do with it is I try to personalize the word. So, Father, you said today three things matter. 
And so I want to personalize those three things. I don't want to just read it and, and think, oh, I memorized it. No, it's like, okay, what does that look like in my life? And out of those three things, what's the one I need to just read or zero in on today? Again, very simple. I try to take it and customize it because I believe God's word is for you. It's like three things, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of this is love. Love is not just a mushy, gushy feeling. Love is, is, is active. It's like today, empower me now to live in that love and to give that love. Here's the thing about the fruits of the Spirit that jacked me up this time researching it again. It's that Paul said it. He said, God's giving you gifts to edify the church, but he's also giving you fruits to bless others. In other words, this love is not just for you to feel some type of way. It's for you to give it. Then I pray the verse, Lord, today I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill me with love. The agape, the unconditional. I don't have that love, but you do. And I pray that I can be a conduit, a vessel, that your love can flow through me, starting right at home. Because sometimes we project out but church starts right at home. And then I try to bring it back throughout to the mind throughout the day. What's interesting about the word is that somewhere in your day, you're going to need it. Better yet, someone in your life is going to need it. And if I'm in that throughout the day, man, it's going to come back. Sometimes it doesn't come back on that day. It comes back later on in the week. And you're like, oh, I just read this thing, right? Have you ever been there? Like today, you're in church, you're like, you're reading my mail. Why? Because the word is ahead of us. The word is always ahead of us. And keep going. I'm going to wrap this up. At bedtime, it's a great time to reflect. Did I obey the word today? Because remember, he said, it's not just that you meditate, it's that you obey. And I take an inventory when I go to bed of my day. How was I today? And the Holy Spirit is faithful to be like, you were a jerk. <laughs> I don't know how the Holy Spirit talks to you, but he brings a two by four when he talks to me. I don't know if you've been with the Holy Spirit long enough where he doesn't, look, he doesn't like caress you anymore. <laughs> He's just like, you're a jerk today. <sighs> Let's be better tomorrow. The Holy Spirit will convict you again to heal you. And then repeat all over again tomorrow. Because Jesus said, today I had enough troubles, worried about tomorrow, tomorrow. And start all over again with the word. Now, here's what I would like to encourage you, though, to go beyond. I believe that outside of that, you need a time to abide a little bit deeper, twice a week. I believe that this is how I try to model my life. I, by Wednesday, I need some serious abiding time. I need an hour at least. You can start with 20 minutes, just abiding, just being with Jesus. In worship, like we tell our church to do three things. We call it solid 15. It's five minutes in the word, five minutes in worship, and five minutes in prayer. Just to learn to just abide daily. But by Wednesday, man, I need it. My wife will tell you, you need to get out of here. You, you need to go up. You go be. Your wheels are grinding. In other words, get to know your soul. Where you are running low. And I just need, just need to get out. Jesus did it often. Go pay attention to the Gospels. It's like there's this model of Jesus. He would just withdraw himself. Like he should be the, the busiest man on, on the face of the planet. The CEO of heaven should be the busiest. And Jesus would just like, okay, I'm out. I need to go be. Because the more I be, the more I can do.
See, we are a byproduct of our being. Society says you're a byproduct of what you do, but the problem is what you do doesn't define who you are. Who you are defines what you do. So you need time to abide. So let's stand together. Let's pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit would lead you to holy leisure, to enjoy it, to truly enjoy spending time in the Word. I believe that the fog will lift, the worries lift, anxiety lifts, frustrations lift, and then answers come when you have a clear mind. Decision-making becomes better. Choices, addictions will lift because now you are abiding in the right, proper channel of life. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.